This is National Tea Time. Yes, God, everybody. My name is Alora O'Shaughnessy. I'm your host for National Tea Time. Today, my very lovely guest is none other than Miss Taylor Madison Monroe. How are you, Miss Taylor? I'm doing swell, magically delicious. Oh, yes, we love magically delicious. So tell me a bit about it yourself. Well, I'm a resident of Fayetteville, Arkansas. I'm 36 years old. I'm a graduate student at the University of Arkansas getting my master's in recreation and sports management. And I want to go into communications within the um, NCAA or hopefully at the University of Arkansas because I'm a Razorback for life. I own my own house. I have two dogs and I have a wonderful partner named Derek. Aw, we love a good old hardworking queen. We love a queen who's a family man or woman. Oh, yes. So. Whoa, man. Whoa, man. What is your title? What are you a former of? I am a former Miss Gay United States for the year 2011-2012. Fabulous. What got you into drag pageantry and drag in general? What were some of your inspirations you looked at to go for your dream? Well, I first started drag by entering theater And, you know, whenever you come out of high school and you go to theater in college, you think you're the ish. And when you get to college, you realize that you're not everything that your high school teachers always told you you would be. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't make it into theater in college. So one of my friends was like, well, why don't you try this? And I just first came out. So I I got in drag one night. Somebody put me in drag and I entered a talent contest and I won. I beat my drag mother that night and she was furious with me. Sasha Harrison, hello. I didn't know Sasha Harrison was your drag mom. She is the original one that put me in makeup. The first one that ever put me in makeup. That's everything. I didn't know that. But the first time I ever did drag was, of course, you know, stereotypically Halloween. Of course. It was a very interesting time where we had house parties instead of going to the club because the club was 21 and up. I went as Medusa that year, and that's what I did. Medusa. Of all women, you chose Medusa. Well, yeah. she was very, very beautiful at one time before she was <laughs> raped and then turned into who she was. I'm a costume queen, so I had to go with a costume. Yes, costume queen. <laughs> I wish I was a costume queen. Maybe I'd get tipped more. <laughs> oh, well, no. <laughs> Rude. One of my inspiration has always been strong women in my life. My mother, although they've never really had an artsy side to them, like, my mother really doesn't listen to music or watch TV shows or movies or anything like that. I guess I got all of that that she never had. But as far as drag life, my inspiration has always been Katie Love because that's who has really, as far as like administratively, professionally, on the microphone, costumes, performance, she's really the all-around package. And that's who I've always really looked up to. They used to call me Taylorly Love that was as a joke. Because I would go to her house and give her like $2,000 and buy like eight, nine, ten costumes at a time and just bring them back. I've paid her mortgage several times over. Well, one of her <laughs> gowns will pay pay her mortgage. I mean, Jesus. She's, How many girls still use her for America? <laughs> it's lovely. It's lovely. She does amazing work and she's one of the most amazing creative people I ever, yes, I've ever met. Yes, she is. She is an amazing seamstress. I I dream about the one day I get a Katia Lee Love gown. Or a dance costume. She actually sewed for Dancing with the Stars for a few times. And I know she sewed for the Olympics, the figure skating oh, for the Olympics. I didn't know that. 
I'm going to yeah. have to get her on this show one time. <laughs> she's actually quite fabulous and a lot of fun. She's got the quickest wit I, can, I know out of anybody. So it's, and it's, she's it's, a former Miss Gay America, correct? Correct. And former USA Classic. Oh, I didn't know about USA Classic. I just knew about America. Yeah. I'm going to have to message her and see if she'll do this show with me. Well, I think I think if you catch her during this boring of a time, like with COVID going around, I think you'll be perfectly fine. She'll be great with us. Right. So, why did you choose to compete for the title of Miss Gay United States? Well, Miss United States was based loosely after the America system. Mm-hmm. I know the scoring and the scoring was all based you know, off the American system as well, and it was kind of a branch off of what Miss Gay America was. Having my career taking a different path when I lost the crown of Miss Arkansas America, I knew this was my shot at redemption. So this was really the only available path for me at the time. And it was a really new system on the rise. And the promoter of it was Jordan Bolton, Crystal Marie Love. You know, I contacted her one day and I said, hey, would I be able to do this pageant? And she was like, well, of course. Yeah, of course you would. Lo and behold, I did the city prelim and then I did a, the state prelim and then I did the national. So I, I really liked that it. it was a new upcoming pageant system that, that was looking um, very, very promising and having a good time with it. So what was your thought process for picking your prelim? You were, what, Miss Gay Arkansas United States? I was Miss Fort Smith United States first. Mm-hmm. Then I was Miss Arkansas United States, and then I went on to win Miss United States. Picking the prelim, well, I mean, that was a given. I wanted to be, I'm an Arkansas girl, so of course I right. wanted to represent Arkansas. We didn't have a Miss Fable United States at the time. But they had Miss Fort Smith. Either I just left Kincaid as the show director or I was still the show director at Kincaid when I competed. But it was very interesting and I, I was like, well, I'm just going to do this one. It's the closest to me. I'll be fine and and we'll go from there. So I knew going in that I wanted to represent Arkansas right. wherever I went to. But mind you, Nationals was kind of just literally in the front forefront of my mind, it was getting redemption for my Miss Arkansas America thing. So that was at the forefront of my mind. Winning the national title was not at the forefront of my mind. I was that was kind of like the cherry on top of all of this was like, Oh wow, I yeah, I actually won the national what? No, it was winning Miss Arkansas United States and the having the full reign was right the goal of that. So it was never national, but well, lo and behold. Well, it happened, and then <laughs> now you're a farmer, a has-been, as they might say. <laughs> a farmer, an afterthought, you know. Right. What was your experience while the competitions were taking place? Let's say state-wise. What was the experience state-wise, and what was the experience nationally? What was the two difference between the two? State, uh, state-wise, there was... I think there was 10 or 12 contestants that year. Oh. It was a really good competition. A lot of people really brought it. Maya Alexander was actually the reigning Miss Arkansas United States. She had gotten first alternate at Nationals that, that year before. And so she was the reigning. And it was actually a really good experience. It was a lot of fun. The most interesting part was seeing the judges, who the judges were for Miss Arkansas United States, because Two of the people on the panel were the biggest naysayers, the most outspoken people against me whenever I was Miss Arkansas America. Oh, so girl. That, was, that, was, that was very interesting. And actually, in an interview, one of the judges 
and Megan Michaels asked me about it, um, asked me about my personal experience as uh, Miss Arkansas America. She opened the can. She was like, "Let's, we're gonna go there. Let's open the can." And right. one of the judges, after my interview, it was told to me that one of the judges turned to Megan Michaels and said, "That was plain out mean. You should have never done that." But I think it played out in my favor, actually, because I, um, I think I won interview anyway. So it was. It, it was oh well, there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it was a great competition, and it was a lot of fun. Arkansas was a lot of fun. Nationals was that was a long drive. First off. Right. Sixteen and a half hour drive to Roanoke, Virginia is, is a long, long, long drive. And um And that's know, from Fayetteville, right? And that was from Fayetteville. So um, it was yeah, it was it was a tough one. But we had fourteen or fourteen people show up to nationals that year. Yeah. Fourteen and I think twenty were qualified, so fourteen showed up to nationals that year. And it was like a one-night pageant, so they did all 14 contestants in one night. It was a really long night. It started like at 8 and ended at 150-something. It was a really, really long night, but it was a fun weekend. I wanted to go support our mister, which is the first time Arkansas had a mister at United States. We ended up winning. Saturday night, we had an off night, so we went out and partied and had a great time, and then Sunday was a pageant for us. So it was a really good time, and then having my mother come and support me and she brought three of her friends and we just had a great time she, she took my whole dancer crew out to outback steakhouse and bought and paid for all their meals and it was it was really really cool so we really really had a great time in roanoke as far as competition wise i really didn't know a whole bunch of people there i knew our group of like 20 maybe 25 people that we had brought to the pageant but that was it and it was since united states is mostly an east coast pageant it was a lot of East Coast people supporting the East Coast contestants. Right. I remember the night I was actually booed when I won because No ma'am. Yeah, because they because the heavy favorite going in was the first alternate, my first alternate. And she had some things go wrong during her talent. One of her props fell and it you know, it really mm. it really kind of saddened me but excited me at the same time. Right. But she booed, and they had to, like, quiet down the crowd and, like, really disperse, and that's how it happened. So, but it was an overall great experience. Like, the the family atmosphere of it was wonderful. The bar was wonderful. Roanoke, Virginia treated us really, really nicely. And, yeah, I I really had a great experience. But who doesn't have a great experience with it when they win? Oh, absolutely. I have fun just going to a pageant. Hey, I I just love going to watch. (laughs) One of the best experiences was when the owner of the pageant handed me the $3,800 in cash that I won that night. Well, it's always a good experience when money is placed (laughs) into your hand, no matter if you win or don't. It didn't take three minutes after crowning that he put that money in my hand. I was like, oh my goodness, and I just handed it to my mother and was like, Mom, take care of this for a second. Right. Who was giving up the title of Miss Gay United States 2010, though? Jasmine Blue was giving up the title... And she's from Washington, D.C. Okay. I don't think I know of her, sadly. I'll have to look her up. She's a sweetheart. She hashtags realistic. It's really, really funny. She's a good person. She's really, really sweet and very soft-spoken, but will um, will be outspoken when she needs to be. And side note, side note, that was actually my mom's first time ever seeing anybody with a breastplate. Oh. Because, <laughs> because Jasmine wore a breastplate for her give-up number, and it was a very, like, revealing... Mm-hmm. Like it revealed the breastplate, um, 
a lot with her give up gown. And my mother told me after the pageant, she said, if you ever get a breastplate, you're losing your number one fan in me. Oh, no. That's why I have never bought a breastplate. What? I love a good old breastplate. I'm looking to get one my damn self. I love how they there look. There were reasons why my mother didn't like this one, I think. Okay, well, I won't ask about that then. <laughs> Even at 28 years old, I was still trying to please my mother. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, no, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell my parents you don't like it, don't yep. watch. Sorry. Yep. Love you, Mom and Dad. <laughs> <laughs> While they were announcing second and first runner-up, what were you thinking at that point? Did you think you would win? Or were you just thinking, oh, crap, I've lost? Time to take the 16-hour trip home. <laughs> well, like I said before, winning winning was just a cherry on top. Like, it, the goal was not to win nationals. I mean, of course, it was kind of like a, a far-fetched goal. I didn't know these people that I was competing against. The United States system was so new in Arkansas that we really didn't have the, the longevity or the history or what have you to be doing. But I had done my due diligence. I had done my political games, whatever I had to play. I had done my research on all the formers. I had prepared myself. I had done everything like that. But United States is such a guessing game. You really don't know who's going to win each year. You really don't. But standing there, I didn't think I won because they announced three categories. Interview, creative, costume, which is now America on a runway. And then evening gown. I didn't win any of those three. Well, they announced talent, and I won talent. I was like, wait, what? I won talent? Oh, my goodness. What happened? <laughs> so, <laughs> not what happened. Well, and then I, yeah, so I won talent, and I was just happy go lucky. I was like, oh, well, I won talent. I'm excited. I got a trophy. We're good. I'm good. We're fine. Anyway, so it moved on, and then they started announcing it. They announced third alternate, second alternate. The second, the third alternate was um, a girl that is on Showcast a Play in Nashville now. She's amazing. The second alternate was the hometown Roanoke favorite. Well, she lives right outside of Roanoke. Her name was Taylor Maid. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And then the first alternate, who Eden Park Divine, um, she's placed top 12 at US of A twice, I think. And, and she's from North Carolina, and that's who everybody was there for. So they announced those three, and then I'm the only one standing there with a trophy in my hand. And I'm like, wait, um, what just happened? And right. sure enough, they just went right into it. And your new Miss United States is Taylor Madison Monroe. And I was like, wait, what? Huh? Oh, my goodness. Balled my eyes out. Like traditional, stereotypical pageant bride. Like, it was hilarious. Yes, I love those photos. Those oh, yeah. photos are the best. <laughs> uh, of course, there was the feeling of, you know, winning a national title. And it was like, what, what, what? Oh, my goodness. What, what just happened? But winning a national title in front of your mom while she's sitting in her in the audience is one of the best feelings in the world. I can only imagine. Yeah, and then Ugh. your mom running up on stage as they finish putting the crown into your hair and just giving you the biggest hug. And I, I, I will always remember the exact way I grabbed her and hugged her and swung her around and lifted her up off her feet and did a, did a little spin with her in my arms. And I didn't realize how heavy the crown was. And at that point, my wig fell backwards a little bit, so it exposed my boy hair. <laughs> no, ma'am. Yeah. Oh, but I didn't care. I was I, I was hugging my mother after I won a national title, but they let me fix it, and then we took pictures. I mean, hey, at least they weren't shady and didn't let you fix it. <laughs> oh. Oh, no, they let me Could fix it. you imagine those photos? <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure somebody caught one of those. Oh, I'm sure. 
I'm sure someone's got a photo somewhere. Right. During your reign, what were some of the hardships you encountered? What aspects of your life really changed from that moment? Um, there were actually two really big um, events that happened during my reign. First off, and this is no tea or no shade or, or any disrespect to the system, the owner of the system and Nova Star, the owner of Fierce Drag Tools, they got into an argument over money. Apparently, somebody owed somebody money, and it was a huge argument. And Nova Star, she had just given up in this United States at large, and she had a, like 26 contestants that year, too. It was, it was beautiful and amazing. So they got into a huge argument about this, and I had it pretty much set up to have anywhere from 16 to 20 prelims, maybe. And that was also with the help of Nova because she knew I was new. She knew I was pretty green and she could help me out. And, and in return, I would help her out too. So with anything that I could. So with the help of me and, and Nova and a couple of other people, we sold quite a bit of prelims. Well, when they got into a fight, Nova called the promoters that she was really close to and they all canceled. And no, ma'am. I lost. 10 or 11 prelims from that. I don't hold ill will towards Nova because, you know, she, from a business standpoint, she she did what she needed to do. Right. I wish it could have worked out in a different way and not on my one and only year that I've been a national title holder. But that was one of the big hardships that I faced was rebuilding a system right as it was torn out from under me. Right. And mind you, to my listeners, this is all back in the day where Facebook and, and uh, social media really was starting to become what it is now. Right, right. So right. I can only imagine what it really was like in um, that moment, in that time. And in result of all of that, I was working as a lady shoe salesman in Dillard's, and I was like the second best shoe salesman that they had, and I was a pay setter. And for those of you who don't know, a pay setter is a person that sells over $300,000 worth of merchandise in one year for Dillard's. Well, damn. And I was making over $40,000 a year selling lady shoes. I mean, I literally was. And I, I I, probably would have gotten to be a manager there had I not won Miss United States. But because of how long I was going to be gone and how many times I was going to be gone with those 16 to 20 prelims, they asked me to resign my position at Dillard's, and I did. Mm-mm. So... I not only lost my prelims, but I lost my job as well. No, ma'am. That's yeah. going to be hard. I couldn't imagine being say, hey, great that you won. Can't work here anymore. Sorry. Well, it was Mm-mm. it was, it was was a very interesting time. I, I, I can't say that some of it was not my fault. I showed up late a, a few days for work because I was either on the plane, on the way home, um, or my plane got delayed or, or, you know, something happened with the prelim or... Heck, one time I called and I was like, hey, I'm going to use my vacation days. I've got three vacation days saved up and I'm in California and I'm staying an extra three days. And that's what I did. And they kind of got mad about that. Like The higher up got mad about not my department manager. But I digress. Those that were two really big huge things that really had a roadblock for me during my brain. So touchy subject, how much of an income did you lose when you lost your job at Dillard's? I would say I lost between 40000 and $100,000 for the next three years, yeah. Ouch. That hurts my wallet. 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, it, 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 but you know, everything. I've realized that everything in life happens for a reason at that point in time. You know, and and I moved on to bigger and better, and I got bigger and better, and right. That's where I am today. It's helped mold me and shape me into who I am. So that brings me into my next question. How did you overcome some of these obstacles that were thrown at you during your reign? You just have to pursue on. You know, you just have to carry on with what you're doing and realize that don't let other people throw you off. A lot of people called for me to resign as Miss United States because Arkansas didn't renew. They canceled their prelim when Nova backed out. And, they called uh, for you, you know, to resign as the national title holder? They, they didn't call for me to resign. They said I should take a stand against the promoter of the national system and resign. But I was not going to do that. I worked my butt off for a national title. Right. I'm not going to resign. I'm not going to resign the national title that I won. Heck no. And not being in it, it being my first national title. No, I would never have done that. For one, the argument had nothing to do with you per se. It affected you, yes, but you're a third party bystander at that time. <laughs> I'm just guessing, right. but that from what you're telling me, you were just a third party person that happened to be affected by that argument between them two right agreed and you did your job you did what you were you signed up to do you did your job exactly exactly and i was not i was not giving up my national title because two people couldn't settle on a disagreement Uh, right and i do not blame you that is not your job i mean it is kind of sort of your job especially when it deals with the system but at the same time it had evolved to a nasty more personal level Mm than anything i was not going to get involved in that smart move on your part very smart move so did you ever come across anyone who didn't take you or that title serious while you were in miska united states during that whole thing actually no the only time that i ever came across somebody that was really kind of snide remark i was at miska usva it was a prelim night it wasn't the night that i walked out for a national title walk I was out, and I wore my sash for some reason. I don't know why I wore my sash, but I was out as a boy, and I wore my sash that said Miss United States on it. Some promoter of a national pageant, like it was like some small national pageant, stopped me and was like, how dare you wear your Miss sash uh, as a boy? Because this is horrible. This is ruining the illusion. I should call your promoter right now and say that you're wearing your Miss sash. And I said, you know what? I'll dial it for you. Let's call JP right now. And I got it on speakerphone. Yes. I said, JP, is it okay if I work it? Because this promoter of this certain national system said that it's disrespectful that I wear that. This little boy was shocked. Like, it was hilarious. And I, that's what I did in front of him. But that was really the only side remark I got during the whole thing. Huh. You got off easy. <laughs> I know. I got, I actually got, you know, I, I had the privilege of, being on the judges panel for Miss Gay Arkansas America one year with Whitney Page, Cherry Lane, Kirby Kincaid, Patty LaPlace and myself. Wow. Imagine that judging panel. No, ma'am. Mm-mm, nope. Couldn't do it. I dropped out. Done. I hope no contestant would ever drop out because that's going to be the realest, most expertise judging panel that you could possibly have. Oh, absolutely. They'll tell you how it is and not regret hurting your feelings. Because sometimes people's feelings need to be hurt. Right. For them to come correct. That's an amazing judging. What year was that? Uh, I think Veronica Duvall won that year. Oh. Yep, Veronica Duvall won that year. Yes, ma'am. Love me some good old Veronica Duvall. What was your support system like while you reigned? Well, I had my grandmother. Mm -hmm. 
that was great. My family really supported me, and they were really excited about it. The promoters were wonderful. City of Fayetteville was amazing. I, I will always remember my last night as Miss United States in Fayetteville, and I will always remember the first night I came back and got to perform as Miss United States. It was packed. The bar was, like, celebrating. Magazines did news articles on me. Newspapers did articles on me. It was amazing, and I was so well accepted. The Center for Equality up here made special mention of me, and it was really, really neat. One of the worst things about all of this was that my partner at that time, we had been in a relationship for four years. He actually, when I got back from the United States, probably about a month or two afterwards, he broke up with me. And he said, you're not going to have enough time for our relationship. And he broke up with me. I had purchased plane tickets for him to go with me to my first two prelims. So, yeah, that was, that was kind of a non-support system. But we won't mention that anymore because I've moved on to way better. Absolutely. For one, <laughs> ain't nobody need a man who can't support you, period. Well, and, and I don't need a man to support me financially. I just need him to be there for me, you know, emotionally and, right. and to walk beside me. That's who I want. And that's what I got. Well, now that you, you've got that, but at that time, I couldn't imagine someone dumping someone just because they want a national pageant. That's just, that, to me, that's no real reason well, to I'm, I'm dump sure there someone. were other reasons behind it, but not like, it wasn't dealing with me. It was probably dealing with himself. Right. So, because he's straight now. So, uh, ooh, <laughs> not straight. Yeah. No, no, ma'am. Yeah. Absolutely not. Anyway. How was it working with all the different promoters? I thought all the promoters were wonderful. There were a lot of new promoters, so they really either went way overboard or didn't know what they were doing. So it was like they treated me like a crazy, like I could have asked for a bowl of all red M&Ms and they would have got it for me. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and then there were ones that were just kind of like, oh, well, yeah, I'm doing this for a friend. Okay, thank you. And just kind of stayed out of it. There was no really in the middle promoter. I was treated very well by all the promoters. Um, I didn't really have a bad experience. I hated flying in late and flying out early the next day because I always wanted to explore each city I was in. I always wanted to go. Right. I always wanted to go try a sit-down restaurant that I couldn't get in Fayetteville. I always wanted to go, you know, see the sights of, of each city that I was in. And I did a couple places, but not every place. And I, I wish I would have taken time to be able to do that during my life. Right. So do you have any significant advice for those who may want to start promoting? I think finding a happy medium, treating a national title holder to maybe a little something special because that will be favorable in, in, in their eyes. I'm not saying that you have to give everything, but first off, your first thing is to fulfill all the obligations within your promoter contract. Be able to fulfill that. Anything above that is cherries on top. If you can do that, you're a good promoter. Everything that's in the contract of your national responsibilities. Right. So that's the best thing I can advise to do. All right. For all those future promoters. If you go up and above that, more power to you, that's great. But at this, you know, at, at times like, you know, now where we're struggling to find promoters and pageant systems, I think doing the minimum of what you need to do is should be good, should be looked at as right. successful. Absolutely. I agree 100%. What was the best advice you personally received during your reign? Best advice? I would probably say someone told me to just let myself live. 
don't expect anything out of it because if you don't have expectations, you can't be let down. I felt like if I had expectations for this, well, I had goals. Those are different than expectations. Uh, I had goals that I had set for myself. I achieved those goals right. that I wanted, and anything over that was just, like I said, cherries on top. So, United States is very—you make your—they tell you 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 make the rain. So, if you want forty gajillion prelims, you can have forty gajillion prelims. If you want to do all this, you can do all this. It's all how how much work you put into it. If I was to win it where I am now in my life, oh my goodness, there's so there's so much more that I could do with it. <laughs> Well, I, I'm sure that's true with everybody who wins a national title. Oh, yeah. They can look back and be like, well, I could have done this. Or if I were to win now, I could do this and do oh. so much more. I, I do believe a lot of people can say that. And then there's national title holders out there that are like, well, I wish I'd never won this. <laughs> oh. Oh, I'm sure there are a few out there. I'm going to have to find them. Yeah. <laughs> they got teeth to hell. Girl, I can only imagine. Let me find mm-hmm. some former national title holders from the 80s. That's going to be fun. <laughs> the early 90s and the mid-90s were the shade years, girl. That's where you want to look. Ooh, I wonder if I... I have to think about that one. Do a lot of research on the, on that, that era of drag. So that was your best piece of advice. What is a critique that you received from any judge that made you push yourself to be better? As a contestant or as a national title? Holder? As a contestant that helped you in your national title. As a contestant, if I had to say something, I would say it would be with an interview, mm-hmm. and it would just be to be honest, to be more open and honest about how your life is going and what you actually can do, and don't lie because judges can see through those lies real easily. So not lying and just being completely honest with the judges during interview was probably one of the best advice that I could get. Okay. Interesting. I've always heard that the judges can always see right through a lie. So I can I can definitely see that. When you lie, you have to compound that lie with something else. Right. And you have to compound that other lie with another with something else. So the more you lie, the more it builds and builds and builds. And right. eventually it's like a stack of Jenga bricks. It's gonna fall. It's eventually gonna fall and it's gonna fall on top of you and it's gonna hurt. So why lie about anything? when honesty and brutal honesty should be um, celebrated. Absolutely, I agree. In other words, just don't lie, period, whether you're a drag queen or not. But some of these hoes can't handle brutal brutal honesty. That's their own problem. Because they're sensitive. Well, then they shouldn't be doing drag, period. On to the next question. (laughs) What is your favorite memory while you were reigning? Any embarrassing moments or funny stories you would like to share with the audience? Best feeling I got during my whole reign was giving it up. No, I'm just kidding. The best feeling during the whole reign was uh, walking down Castle Street, San Francisco. I was in full drag going to Harvey Milk's old office, which is a bar. We were going to play um, trivia. Full drag as Miss United States. And I was walking down that in crown and sash. And it was the most liberating experience because of the history that has gone on on that street and where it was. I was walking in front of, right in front of the Castro Theater. And it was just so amazing. I got stopped by so many people. Oh my gosh, you're Miss United States. Let's take a picture, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, wow. It was really, really neat. And that was one of the best feelings I ever had. I can only imagine just walking down that road, even as a, a queer person, 
just walking down that oh, yeah. road. Oh yeah, just just and so much history. Just the gay history, right? Right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So much history happened down that road. I remember one time you were telling me about this. What was it? A two-story bar? I don't know if it was in California, Washington, or Seattle, or somewhere like that. Oh, oh yeah, no, it was in Washington D.C. Tell me about that. <laughs> One of the funniest moments was in Washington, D.C., because I had three prelims there and my give-up was there. So I went to Washington, D.C. several times, and there's a bar called Zigfields and Secrets. Well, Zigfields is the bar on the bottom, and Secrets is the bar on the top floor. It's connected. It's owned by the same person, so it was just named different places. The rooms were just named different places. Well, downstairs was the drag bar. Upstairs was a stripper bar. Yes, come on, stripper bar. And living in Arkansas, we're not used to having full nudity in right. our bar because, you know, it's illegal and ABC will get you. Right. So I went up to Secrets and I ordered a drink. And the next thing I see were um, private parts <laughs> dangling in front of my face as I was handed my drink. And let's just say the tip of the said private part was probably about an inch and a half away from my drink. And I said, can you please not stir my drink with that? (laughs) And then they turned around and bent over, and I was like, oh, my goodness, there's a hole. There is a hole. There is a hole. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And were you in full drag at that point? (laughs) I was in drag. Yeah, no, I was in drag, and it was just hilarious. And, And I did quickly rush to get out of drag real quickly because the duct tape was hurting. Yeah, it was it was it was a really funny moment. It was really enjoyable. I had never seen anything like it and it just opened up my whole world to a new world and I was like, Oh my goodness. And I actually made a really good friend out of that that night, Matthew J. Kelly, who's a former Mr. EOI. He was one of the strippers that evening. And so and we're really oh. good friends. Yeah, not like that. Not like that. But, you know, I ended up promoting Arkansas Entertainer of the Year later on and brought him in as he was Mr. EOI. So yeah. That's hilarious. I, I think that's one of my favorite stories of yours. Stripper's bar leads to a nice friendship. <laughs> I can only imagine. I mean, there's no secrets left. <laughs> so it's all just out there. It is. I mean, you know, I, I, if you can't handle brutal honesty, like I said, you shouldn't be in drag. Very that. So you had to travel a lot. Mm-hmm. Any national title holder does. What did you learn about traveling with all the drag that you had to have for just one prelim? I learned how to pack a suitcase to exactly 49.8 pounds. What goes into that? Well, I got it to where I could pack three costumes, hair, makeup, everything that I needed. I still have a bad habit of not packing hair straight anywhere I go anymore because I couldn't take it on planes back then. Oh, yeah, that's right. So... I have a bad habit of like borrowing hairspray from other entertainers nowadays. I learned to not show your crown to everybody and hide it because TSA will like to play with it whenever you go through the, the x-ray machine. I learned not to talk to strangers if you really don't want to get into stupid conversations. Well, that's true for everyday life, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, see, drag carries over onto everyday life. There were several other lessons I learned, I mean, mostly life lessons, but as far as like carrying drag, I made the mistake of my first prelim, my first prelim was in California, in San Francisco, and San Francisco's airport is probably about 30 to 45 minutes away from where I was staying in the Castro, and what I didn't realize was I had two 49.8 
big, huge luggage pieces, a smaller roller one with all my boy clothes in it, and then a carry-on with my crown and some more boy clothes in it. So I had four suitcases. That's a lot. And I had to take the train all the way into the city. Oh, well. And I ended up getting, because the promoter didn't come to pick me up because he was a new promoter and he didn't know he had to do that. I got up on the wrong stop, and then I had to take a taxi into the Castro, which the taxi cost me $85. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. So it was very interesting. I um, mean, getting all those luggage things onto the train and onto the BART, and then it goes to MARTA. Getting all those luggage pieces on there and then sitting on there and not knowing when to get off, I was like, oh, my goodness, where am I? Quite an adventure with 100 pounds of luggage. No, ma'am. I can barely carry my own stuff into a club. <laughs> well, it was about 150 pounds of luggage. Let me tell you, it was a lot. <laughs> well, it was like playing Tetris with getting my luggage around that train. But like I said, that is one of the best advice is to let yourself live, and I let myself live. I went on an adventure, baby. Okay, let's skip down. It is final night of Miss Gay United States. It's your final performance. It's your give-up number. What are you feeling in this significant moment? I was definitely feeling a, a sense of excitement because it was my first give-up number, and I finally got to do a ballad. Oh, my goodness. I didn't do one ballad except for doing crown numbers the whole year. But, you know, getting to do uh, uh, your give-up number as a national title holder, you know, all your feelings, the whole year flashes before your eyes. And you look out into the audience and you realize how many people you met and you realize how many friends you made. And then there are those friends that came to support you or other contestants that you already knew before you even won. And those that supported you and then all the text messages coming in and, oh my goodness, it was so much. It was just a really flooding of emotions that occurred. And you really realize how much of a difference you made when you do your give up number. And it's not by the amount of money that you make, but about the smiles or the emotions that you see the audience going through. That's really what it was. What was your give up song? I opened up with For Good from Wicked, because I always open up every one of my give ups with For Good. And then I went into Get Here If You Can by Alita Adams. There's a lot of those. (laughs) A song about second chances was my middle one. It ended up being like 11 and a half minutes for a give-up mix, but it wasn't that bad. Well, I mean, honestly, that's not too bad, actually. I've seen a lot longer. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I've seen a lot longer. Definitely seen a lot longer. Who did you end up crowning? Ended up crowning Mercedes Monroe. She was Miss California, United States. So there was two Monroes, one right at the other. Well, it was a Monroe and a Moonroe. So it was a... O N R O E, and then hers is N U N R O. Oh, okay. But it was it was really nice. I still talk to Lonnie all the time. Lonnie's his boy name, Mercedes. I still talk to her all the time in San Francisco. We had just we just have a great time. That's fantastic. That's fabulous. You still keep up with some some of these people that were part of your reign. Almost oh, definitely. Is there anything you would advise against or for while competing for? Miss Gay United States? I would say for that it's a very big family atmosphere. If you want to feel like you are included in the family, United States is a really, really family-like atmosphere. One of the great things about United States is that you never know who the winner is going to be. It's not a favorites competition. For instance, Shay Shay Larice won the national title, but she only won by like five points, literally by five Oof. points. 
not to take away from the other contestants, Shay Shay did wonderful, but there were a couple of contestants that could have beat her that year. But United States is always a very surprise contest. Um, you never know who's going to win going into it. And I think right. it really gives a very even playing field. I wouldn't really say much against it. I think it, if it was organized a little bit more, maybe um, had more prelims, maybe a little bit more nationally prominent, I think that would be um, better for the system. On the flip side of that, it's a great stepping stone to becoming a national title holder in a larger system because it teaches you the ropes without you being on that huge, huge national, national stage. Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely something I'll have to keep in mind for when I actually compete for Miss United States. It's coming up. There you go. Not this year, obviously. Miss Corona. Well, not this year. Yeah, Miss Corona. Has, has has stopped all the pageants. She's won every single pageant this year. She is the Supreme right now. Right. We should just give her her own title. Miss Supreme <laughs> yep. everything. Yep. You give her the real girl titles too, damn it. <laughs> she said, I'm going to snatch all the crowns. She said, I'm entering every pageant. I have no sexual sexuality at all. Or I, I am not, I am not um, I do not identify as a sex. Thank you very much. Oh. <laughs> very that my last question is drag as we all know or the ones who participate in drag is an ever-changing art form what do you want to see change in the pageant world what part of the pageant world has changed that you wish you could bring back i would like to see pageant people not be put in a box um, as far as expressiveness and creativity. Yes. Um, I think a lot of people put pageant, quote-unquote, pageant things in a box as a less-than category, and that is not true. Um, I, don't think right. anybody, I don't think anybody is more than or less than. Everybody is equal in my eyes. I think everybody offers something different. I think the pageant queen look or persona has kind of evolved and needs to evolve more into being more creative, more conducive to change, more right. chameleon-like, because the more facets of drag and the more, I guess, faces we can take on as pageant queens, the more audience we can entertain. Right. You're not, you're always going to have your naysayers about pageant queens, and you're always going to have your cheerleaders about pageant queens. So I think. I think unifying that audience and finding that middle ground of, of compromise of to where it still has its pageant rigor or pageant queens still have their rigor and their execution and their fine tuning. Right. Um, I think as, as long as they still have that, I think it'll be fine, but also opening the door to creativity and not such cookie cutter ideals. Right. What do I wish we had? I wish we had the numbers. I wish the numbers were still there. Everybody wanted to be Miss So-and-So back in the day, and there was a limited amount of Miss National titles you could be. Nowadays, there's a Miss National title for every single darn thing, and every single person has a, some sort of national title, and there's a new title popping up every day. And I'm like, oh my goodness, can we just go back? I understand giving people opportunities, but we don't need every single little quote-unquote national title. Um, right. to be out there because you know some of these nationals that say they're nationals are not nationals i would have to agree and that's coming from a person that represented a smaller system but i will also say the national title holder or your title holder is the one right that makes it national 
not just the system, the national title holder does. And I also feel, to piggyback on you, that a national title is also going to be a national title, not only by the title holder themselves, but the promoter as well. You have a fabulous promoter. You have a national title. I agree. I agree. Well, that will conclude my interview to my audience. Thank you for listening. All right. To Taylor. Thank you. I really appreciate you doing this. You're welcome. I am your host, Miss Laura O'Shaughnessy. This has been National Tea Time. 